Merry Christmas and welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast Festivus Series. All month long, we're celebrating your favorite holiday films. Movies like Black Christmas, the 2019 remake, Silent Night, the Silent Night Demonic remake, Jack Frost, the Shannon Elizabeth version, and more. Tune in all December long as we revisit these Christmas classics. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? And again, we are recording remotely. Neither of us are together at this time, practicing safe social distancing. Uh, you know, as we as we should, as we as we do in all things, especially sexual encounters as well. Practicing it safe. Um, this episode kicks off our Festivus series for 2020. So we're celebrating Christmas time. Yay. Year Into five. It. I'm wearing my uh, Bill's uh, oh, my ugly uh, my Bill's ugly Christmas sweater right now. Oh, very nice. You know what? It's the perfect day to kick this off too because it snowed here today. Got a little bit of uh, accumulation. Uh, dusting. That's right. So it put me in the Christmas spirit. Put me in the mood. Got our Christmas tree up. Got our Christmas lights on. We're in the mood. The bills are eight and three. It's a good time. That's good time great. to be a, be a New Yorker. You know what's not a good time? The film that we watched today. Oh, that don't say that. <laughs> I won't say like that. I, I I shouldn't say that it wasn't a good time. I don't want to. I don't want to put the expectations that low already. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that for our first experience with the last film in the silent night, deadly night franchise, it was a real bummer. Did this not get a wide release? Um, it did not. I, I don't believe that it got a, a um, theatrical release or anything like that. It was a low budget movie. So I think it was, Direct to, direct to video and and whatever that means in the in the twenty teens because uh, direct to video at this point is you know could be anything doesn't necessarily mean uh, like when, back in the day when it would go straight to uh, VHS or DVD. What's that? Direct what to video. What are those? Low things? budget. You smell that? Smells like a Malcolm McDowell. Uh, that's affair. right. Yes, that's right. So obviously we're talking about Silent Night from 2012, the uh, very loose remake of uh, the original Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, Are you and sure this isn't called My Bloody Valentine with a Flamethrower? <laughs> it could be that. It could be called that. It could be um, a different take on Rob Zombie's Halloween. Um, Saw. Saw, but with Santa. Yeah. Santa Saw. Santa, yeah, Santa Saw. That would have been a good name for it. It didn't get any a wide release or anything. Yet, this is during the heyday of the slasher remakes. In My Bloody Valentine, you know, got a pretty big remake. So what's up with this? What's this film's excuse? Well, I mean, at the time when this film released, I do recall there being some um, some fanfare uh, of its release. Um, maybe that was more so in horror circles and, uh, you know, that's horror just, sites and things like that. That'd just be you guys. 
yeah, you're you're saying you're saying that for the layman person who's not fully entrenched in horror stuff, uh, it didn't really make the circulation. No, because this is something again, not something that was on my radar. Did you even know about it until I mentioned it that you know there was the remake that we needed? To I do? knew after we like did like the third film there was because I looked up and saw there was a remake, but. Yeah, you know, did the nice eye roll and be like, "Oh, we'll come, we'll cross that bridge another day." <laughs> we'll have to do it at some point, just Listen, like we've done most fair, of the other remakes. And, and to be fair, too, if I, I mean, I haven't listened to our podcast from the original, but if I remember correctly, now that's been six years, not a film that I particularly enjoyed or really have uh, liked at all, but over it has grown very fondly in my heart as i say every year now i remember it very fondly now i got great nostalgia for that film you're saying that the original silent night deadly night didn't really have you know you, you didn't really enjoy it no i remember what when we watched it i i remember i mean it's hard to think about but i mean i can't really I remember recall. i remember when i watched i think- it, I, I, I feel feel like I liked Warm Side of the Door. I liked the montage. I liked the boobies, and that, that was about it. I think about you that. were, yeah, I think you were lukewarm on it. Indifferent. And you can't be lukewarm in a winter movie. But now, as we've gone through the entire franchise, boy, it makes me yearn for those days. When you me- actually had, like, somewhat of a a quality film. Yeah, well... To be fair, this film's actually a, a quality made film. Sure. If it, for, especially for its budget as well. You know, unlike the Toy Maker, this is actually a quality made film. But uh there's nothing here. Yeah. I think we'll get to all that in just a little bit. Um but first, do you want to take a break and talk about um, what we have on the show for beer, even though technically we're not, you know, we're not drinking yeah. it together. We're not, we're yeah. not having the same, same beer this time. Yeah. So we can have, you know, um, a night, cause I don't know what you're drinking. I told you what I'm having today, but I don't know what you're having. So we can kind of, it's two, you get a twofer here. Yeah. Well, go ahead and start it off with what you've got. So I got today when I went down to our local, uh, beverage store. I was looking around. I was probably going to get a 15-pack of Sloop's Juice Bomb, which we've had on here before. Uh, Very famous, especially in New York, um, IPA purveyor, basically, because that's basically all they do now is IPAs. But the Juice Bomb is like one of their flagships. We've had it on the podcast before, very good. And I was just kind of thinking of mixing it up because I'm getting tired of the old Miller and Blue Light. So I was going to get that, grab a 15-pack of it, because they just stocked up at our uh, beverage center. But when I was walking around, one of the things that first caught my eye when I was there is that Founders, another brewery that we have had several times on this podcast, has a new 15-pack out, and it is their Moon Rambler IPA. And I'll take a sip of that right now. Mm, Delicious. Yeah, give it a taste. Um, basically, taste it for me in spirit. It's uh, 
They say uh, say uh, it's an India pale ale, but brewed with milk sugar. I don't really know what milk sugar is. I don't know if that's just a fancy way of saying it's kind of supposed to be like creamy and have lactose in it, like a milkshake IPA. Not really sure. And uh, what the hell was the third third one? Hop. It's cast uh, compared to the Cascade and the Mosaic because it's not it's not as florally. It does have a tropicalness to it, but it's very much like just a hard hitting orange. A very bitter orange. But it also does have like a little bit of a creaminess, a slight creaminess to it because of the milk sugar. I wouldn't say anything overwhelming. Um, yeah, it's unique. I'll give it that. Um, I like it. It's growing on me. It's on, on, on number two. Um, nice. I'll have to check it out. I've had every almost... I think pretty much every 15 pack that's been widely available from founders. So yeah, it's, I will have it, to, there's have a to lot to process with like the, the flavor profile. Cause it's got the lactose, it's got the tropical, it's got the hops, a little bit of an odiness to it. Hmm. So, but like I said, I would, I would, whether you like that style or not, I would say, check it out just because like, like I said, founders is incredibly consistent and make nothing but, I have not had yet to have a beer from them that I've uh, disliked or even been indifferent on. So I would definitely say, yeah, give it a try. absolutely. Um, uh, so I've got a slightly different beer on today from an IPA. Certainly uh, not the same at all. Um, I've had this before, but. Um, tree and beer tree has um, notably come around this area as being one of the quality um, producers of especially IPAs but in general good beer um, so I grabbed the Finding Bigfoot which is a Russian imperial stout um, which I thought was really interesting because um, for one thing not many breweries um, label their beers as Russian stouts uh it's just not a common uh turn of phrase for them and then not only that but the finding bigfoot can in general was a it stuck out to me Uh, especially because it it actually is using uh, an interesting friday the 13th style font on it uh which i found yeah because and i know this from experience because i've used this font previously so (laughs) it stuck out to me in that sense um so I um, have had, this is my fourth one now. It comes in a four pack. I've had all four, but I have to say that th- I really like this stout. It's very smooth, creamy. Um, definitely a dark. Kind of rare for an imperial usually stout. Usually mo- most imperial stouts I've had, which is not 
something I've really, or I should say we have really had since like eight years ago at our first beer fest where they were just everywhere. Very much um, more alcohol heavy and yeah, all heavy than like in that cre- like creaminess, def- you know, or in smoothness. Smoothness definitely gets lost. Well, this is a um, – it's still alcoholy at 9%, but I would say that the flavor – the 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 alcohol-like but not overwhelmingly um, uh, alcoholy on the back end or unpalatable once you get to the, you know that, that back end sip – um hey, not Ryan. Too, Ryan. too bad not too awful for uh buying stout hey never. Oh. You cut out. Okay. Roasty. T- toasty flavored, well-made beer that. Um, is, it could be worse. From a stout perspective. Usually it's like 20 bucks for a four pack. Yeah, it's not a brewer around here who's uh, definitely their distributing is definitely getting a lot. A lot better now. Sure, how much <clears throat> we went to quite like wide variety of their selection. So yeah, I'm not sure if it is so much that it's getting um, widely distributed or if it's that our local um, beverage center is, is really trying hard to get them. They're selling out. So, you know, that's a good thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they, they post like, Hey, beer tree delivery. And they pay, take a picture of the van and everything. And then before you know it, poof gone. Yeah. So I, I assume people are, are getting excited when they see that post. What were your thoughts um, before we go into the podcast? Uh, Cause we're probably not going to have it. What were your thoughts on Genesee saying they were just are finishing up their orders for their blood orange cranberry cre- or yeah cranberry right blood orange cranberry cream ale? Yep. Yeah, I definitely am interested in that. I am very upset that it's not widely distributed. I that need it. Sounds so delightful. Yeah, they always have the best flavors at the brewery itself. Almost makes me, it almost makes me want to go down, grab that, and get the Rice Spice Old Ale, which will be terrible. Not because it's made poorly, just because it's an old ale. But get that too, just because, like, while I'm here, why not? Why not get them all? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Um, I, sometimes I am a little bit upset that 
we don't live closer to Rochester because of that. Most other things in Rochester I could do without. But the Jenny Brewery is not one of them. What's wrong with Rochester? Yeah, I could think of a couple things. Kodak. Kodak's there. You got garbage plates. Garbage plates are delicious. What's wrong with garbage plates? I don't know about garbage garbage plates. You know what a garbage plate is? Yes, and I don't think it sounds very good. <laughs> you don't like hamburger, hot dog, and like mac salad, just and tater like um, home fries being all like on the same plate. No, crammed together, and then what's wrong with you? No, I don't. <laughs> I can't say that I do. You got the Rochester Rhinos uh, minor league soccer team there. That'd be fun. I've been to a game. That's it's definitely a fun time. Stadium's pretty really nice. All right, let's get into. Listen, it's not all jeans connected out here, okay? Sure. All right, so let's get into Silent Nights from 2012. Uh, directed by Stephen C. Miller, uh, starring, should we say Malcolm McDowell was starring? I mean, in my eyes, he is. It, technically, he's not, but he's first oh. billed, and he is also oh, it's the starring main Jamie. event. No, it's starring Jamie King. I, I don't think that's fair to Malcolm McDowell, who puts in uh, 75 of more work than everybody else. That's not true. Who would you say... He's not putting any work in. He's there reading cards and and just being an asshole. I love it, though, because I feel like this is a film that he's having either a lot of fun on or having zero fun on no, and just I, wants to get it done as fast as possible. I feel like, no, it's a pay me scenario. scenario. He's just there for the paycheck because it's basically like, hey, remember how you made Dr. Loomis, a beloved character, a total douchebag asshole. Just be a douchebag asshole as this small town, sh- uh, small county sheriff in Wisconsin. Yeah. Midwestern town. Who vote, be- for, vote for James Cooper, sheriff from England, to be Wisconsin, you know, Cryer County's sheriff. I don't know, though. I mean, in some ways, I I've always felt like Malcolm McDowell didn't do it for the paycheck, but he just did it for the love of of cinema and art. No, I, I no, I agree. He's definitely he likes one being of, entrenched in the like in, he, in the cinema world. He, more like I would say so, like more than like you know Patrick Stewart or you know. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his goddamn name, but the guy that played like Magneto, um, Ian, uh, Ian McKellen. Yes, I, I couldn't think of the last name, but I, like they're like thespians. You yeah, know, I think they're they're all of the same um, ilk. You know, like right, Shakespearean exactly. trained actors who just do it for you know. I I think of Malcolm McDowell in that light too. So I I'm, I really don't think he's here just for the pay me. I really do think he really does because obviously, because he's done so many compared to all th- those guys, he's done so many lowbrow ro- uh, roles that he's obviously doing it, doing it for the love of acting and like the just being able to do it. 
But it does come. But his effort in this does come across as like you know, just fucking doing it for a paycheck. I'm not saying. I still think he's the most watchable, for sure. In this in this movie, he's he's definitely the best part of it. How dare you, Donald Logue is an American treasure. (laughs) Uh, why grounded for life? Exactly. Yes, yes. Donald Logue is also here for some reason. Um, his character well, is not entirely. You could say that about a lot of people. Like again, Malcolm McDowell's here. You got Jamie King again, which that rings to why this is like a My Bloody Valentine ripoff. Donald Logue, Ellen Wong. It's just kind of like a who's who of like Can- uh, Lisa Marie. Who's who of like Canadian. Are they A list or B list? Who knows? You'll find out. It's actually a surprise to see the number of people that are in this film of of note, basically. Um it you know, well I, I Rob should say you know, film? <laughs> Rob Reiner is in the film as as uh Jamie King's father. And we uh, should preface David that by Crosby. saying it's it's David Crosby yeah. is also in this film. We should preface that by saying that they're not really in the film, but they've gotten basically doppelgangers of those people. Canadian versions. I mean, to to be honest with you, I am surprised at some of the some of the names on here. But again, like you were saying, you know, are they B list? Are they C list? Yes, in some ways, but also they're like at the top of the B list. You know, I wouldn't say Donald Logue is actually you know. No, by this time, Ground for Life's been done for, I'm pretty sure, a couple of years. It's on, like, yeah, but, like, like, 02 to, like, 06. But he was uh, just starting Gotham, I believe. Maybe not Maybe not yet. Um, 2012? Gotham's been around for that long? It was out for, like, five or six seasons, so, yeah. Maybe maybe not 2012 yet, but, but around there. Well, um, Ellen Wong's coming fresh off of, you know, Scott Pilgrim. Yep. Yep, Jamie King had been uh, in some roles at that at that point as well. Yeah, My Bloody Valentine being the one that you had mentioned as this film is basically uh, somewhat aping off of. That someone is totally. (laughs) And so it is surprising to see Lisa Marie. She's just you know I had no idea she was married to Tim Burton. Yeah, this this I it's surprising to be honest with you. I I definitely was was surprised and, and to see the the names on here, especially for such a low budget film, uh, and especially for such a basically um, a niche type of movie as well of 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 remaking uh, Silent Night Deadly Night, which you know, like I was saying, it is popular with horror crowd, but maybe not so much literally anyone outside of that. Um, uh, unless maybe you're just go- calling for various uh, Christmas films that you haven't seen yet, then you might check out Silent Night, Deadly Night. Or if you're a religious zealot uh, from living through the 80s, you might remember it for uh, being a uh, you know, a, a controversy. How dare Santa run around with an axe? Exactly. With no, naked women. It isn't, like I said, because I understand... The, the, like the zeitgeist for Silent Night, Deadly Night within slasher horror film fans. But it's definitely like two thirds of the way down on that totem pole of slasher films. 
That that's yes. why you know you got you know Friday Thirteenth and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all that crap remade before you got to this. But even still, the fact that it got remade is kind of astounding. In a way, My Bloody Valentine being remade is kind of astounding because that is also a niche slasher film. Yeah. And I mean, even so, like, I guess if you're looking for Christmas movies to remake, you've already got Black Christmas by this point. So what's the other one, Silent Night, Deadly Night? I know, but at that point, might as well just be like, yeah, yeah, all right. You did the so, one. So what, you do, what one. do you think? You did the one. John Saxon's not there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, so, like, let's say, what do you think? Is Silent Night, Deadly Night lovingly remade here as Silent Night? No. It's literally Saw meets My Bloody Valentine with a Santa. That's it. I mean. You it's, can see the ref- reverence to the original because it's not like they don't make reference to various elements of the original. Uh, Stephen C. Miller obviously seems like he is a fan of the original film, but at the same time, it loses all of the charm. Uh, yeah, the charm and the feel of that film entirely. Because it's too, like I said, it's too busy trying to. It's tr- too busy, like a lot of films during this time period. Trying to be all gritty and grounded, you know. You gotta be like the fucking Dark Knight. Everyone loves that. It's gotta be. I assume s- when you when you reference Saw, that you mean the opening sequence of this movie. Yes, because that is like the straight green, out of the green tint. The green tint, the the like oh. opening the door to a person that's oh. trapped. The whole cop aspect where we're following you know a cop so it's kind of like could it be danny glover could it be you know one of the Wahlberg? that's the fun who knows you know <laughs> it's yeah because because yeah. even though i don't feel like the original film is a good film like i said still have do i do have nostalgia for it the reason why i have nostalgia for it is because it's campy and goofy as shit this film by being Uber, we're trying to be super serial guys. It totally misses the point because it 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 strays like so far from like the original idea. It's like this is just a pointless effort because like, again, like okay, they they changed a whole bunch of plot points, and like I said, what do you get? It's basically my bloody Valentine. And saw. That's all it is. Yeah, a lot duller than the other two. At least my bloody Valentine 3D had the 3D here. Hell, you had the one shot with the fucking axe getting thrown at the Achilles, where it made it look like they were going to do a 3D shot, and like, oh wait, we have no money. Can't do that. Yeah, I would say that. I think part of the issue with Silent Night is it doesn't really have its own identity. It doesn't really know what to do with the disparate pieces that it's got going on. So it has that saw element because that's what was popular at the time. And it has some of the modern day remake slasher elements that we see from my bloody Valentine and Halloween. And, um, you know, basically for those refer back to our remake a ween podcast episodes where we talk about the inherent issues in all of those remakes, uh, trying to, basically mimic a film done in the 80s 
and update it for a new generation. Uh, so Silent Night has all of those issues. It's got an identity crisis, just like it's a, it's a protagonist or well, antagonist uh, Santa killer. It's um, I, I would say that the film itself is is messy, and I can see, like you were saying, it's actually fairly well constructed from it, for, for, especially for for its budget. Um, it's not one of those really low budget films that it you know has terrible actors and uh you know a really questionable script and um you know obviously shot on you know a, a handheld camera or something like that. It's, it's not. Shot- that it's shot well it has for the most part a reputable cast the effects it's not computer gen you know cgi not that bad the cgi you know does look like trash though so i mean like the special effects are a little overdone so it's a it's a competently made film but like i said the whole it all falls apart just because the premise and story overall is just stupid and trash i think that yeah the the biggest issue with the film is its storyline because it just it doesn't have a lot going for it i would go so far as to call this film boring throughout um it it does have like like my word what did you mr english major it's banal it is it just doesn't have a lot going for it um where you have to follow jamie king's character um, who is set up to have a backstory about a traumatic experience with her her uh, dead husband, who she's having a difficult time at Christmas, that really goes nowhere. You have Donald Logue's character uh, plays a Santa who really isn't even a suspect for very much throughout the movie and really doesn't get a lot of time on screen. And then you have Bob Thornton be bad Santa, because that's basically what he's supposed to be. Just yeah, Bob Thornton, you know, drunk off his tits, bitching about how when he's doing an interview for the box cutters, they're not talking about his music, they're talking about his acting. And then you've got another weird looking guy who's playing another Santa Claus who, you know, basically hates Christmas and uh, has become the, the main he- suspect. See, this is where the My Bloody Valentine uh, uh, cues come in. Not just because you have Jamie King, but she's got that cop role. You got that uh, Santa that you're talking about. He used to work at the mill that's been closed down. Kind of like the mine that's been closed down in My Bloody Valentine. Exactly. They were just beaten to the punch. And and you know what, too? They've really uh, plain jane Jamie King in this movie. <laughs> They've really, really tried hard to put... To, to dull her down a lot. Gave her Fargo hat too. All she was, you know, that's another thing they re- aped from Fargo. Made her look up like, you know, look like, uh, uh, what is it, right. Francis McDermott? Yeah. The female and, cop. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, hey, hey, your buddy in the wood chipper? <laughs> not only, so, yeah, not only is that an issue where they've, yeah, they've kind of taken from Fargo because you can definitely see those, those ideas at play. But there's also a really cheesy scene where uh, Jamie King goes into town. It's like she's been called in on Christmas Eve, goes into town, and she's walking through. They they obviously have like a Santa um, 
almost like a Santa convention going on in this town. She's walking through. Maybe we're just godless loving heathens here. When's our Christmas parade? We do have a Christmas parade. We have one. Yeah, I know. But when is it? Uh, Like normally, like around the 12th or second week in December. Not Christmas fucking Eve. (laughs) Right. That is true. You don't have a normally want to spend your Christmas holiday with everybody in the parade is like, I I would rather be with family. But you know what? (laughs) After like 3 p.m. around here on any major holiday. I mean, we do live in a small town in small county, kind of reminiscent of this Wisconsin county. After like 3 p.m. on a major holiday or like an eve of a major holiday, fucking ghost town, even in like the big town areas. Yeah, it's it's like uh, quarantine, um, uh, quarantine time. Uh, stay no. inside and. Who is having their fucking Santa parade on Christmas Eve? No one. This is fucking ridiculous. That what right. I was. That right there is enough to throw the realism out out the window. That really turned you off after 15 minutes, huh? You were like, no. (laughs) It's stupid. Because it's just like, oh, shit, what do we... We forgot we have a fucking Santa parade. (laughs) No one's having their Santa parade on Christmas Eve. That's just ridiculous. It's stupid. That's poor planning. Though I do like how the mayor says, now, now, I can't vote for who the best Santa is because I'll win one vote and then lose the rest. What I was, was going to say is, uh, as as Jamie King's getting into town, she's basically, you know, this is obviously small town USA. So, of course, she's got to say hi to literally everybody in town. Also, too, by the way, just like in Rambo, because it's the same thing as Rambo, just like, hi, how you doing? Local sheriff and shit. A sheriff rules over a county. Don't you have other patrolling to do? Apparently, this office is run by one dispatch girl, Ellen Wong, sheriff, and then like three deputies, three or four deputies. What are you doing spending in town the entire time? You actually got the whole fucking county to patrol. Get out there and fucking do it. <laughs> no, they're they're just focusing on this one town. Is this the only town in Cryer County? Cryer? Is that it? That's the only town and the rest is just farm fields and shit? And like, oh, you know, you don't have to go out to old Ed Barker's farm out there. You know, nothing's going on out there. That's it. That's all they got to do. <laughs> Must be um, nice. have one town. Yeah. Easy enough, right? <laughs> uh, so but this film is the idea of fucking English Malcolm McDowell. Yes. In 1965, I won election for sheriff i've been holding on to it since then (laughs) but this this uh this film is filled with like those cheesy moments and i know that the film is kind of deemed a comedy uh at least it's not it's it's to me it doesn't feel like it's an intentional comedy if that's if that's what they were going for it doesn't technically come off as as um you know, they did it on purpose. It's more like I'm I'm at, laughing at it when I really shouldn't be. Um, the one scene that I can think of in particular, and you mentioned it before, is that axe throw with the uh, Achilles heel um, wound that uh, our our uh, mayor's hussy daughter sustains. Uh, it's your boy, that- uh, one of the characters in Lenny- Letterkenny. I had to look that up to see if he was or not because he looks like one of the hockey players in Letterkenny. He's not. Ah, but he uh, looks like. 
But in that scene, there is a atrocious, egregious use of slow mo. Yes, that all yeah. oh, whole part is is just it, it's it's a over long slow mo scene and that's like entirely slow mo, and it just it also stands out like a sore thumb because it's the only slow mo scene in the film that it, it just feels really out of place. I feel like, again. I feel like they were testing, like to see if they could do 3D, and they and they <laughs> eventually found out no, we can't. Because like that, like that's like the whole bit where it's kind of like you know, what's the whole payday in my bloody Valentine 3D? Like, oh, the pickaxe coming out the screen. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of what that whole scene plays like. So yeah, yeah that that scene alone was to me just really stuck out as a, a really poor moment of of decisions in this movie. And how how if listen, the mayor's. The mayor was right. His daughter was just like strutting around, like Santa baby. Like, where was she get? Where, where'd she get that outfit from? Hot Topic, Spencer's. I don't know. Not only that, though. There's that whole Mean Girls esque singing scenario, uh, yeah. where they're all together singing for the town. You know, nice little caroling time on Christmas Eve. Which also uh, another thing about this film that's kind of fucked up is its time. It's all like taking place on Christmas Eve, but by that time it feels like was like eight o'clock. They're like, "Oh, we still got the parade and shit, and all this other going on." It's this town really does Christmas up. It's a very, uh, very active town on Christmas Eve. No one really spends it with family. They're all out partying. But that that whole sequence where they. You know they they're doing the caroling and then that weirdo shows up and takes their picture and not uh, weirdo he's the local reverend <laughs> he is the local reverend also working for what does he say the Paris Journal something like that Parish oh Parish is that what he said I thought he said I Paris I, I don't know he I was just distracted by his really crappy clothes boob pictures like that he's gonna. What he was doing was taking photos of the girl that, that shame that were shameful to him, but yet not so far as to allow him to sin. That's that's my understanding of of the uh, my my main issue is when they blend Protestantism and uh, Catholicism into one. Like he's like half priest, half reverend. Pick one. What is he? Yeah, that's another thing about some of these shitty remake style uh films from the oos and and stuff like that they tend to always have one character that's like a hardcore perv uh, no not a perv i mean in this case yes but no someone who is hardcore religious uh to the point where, where like um that becomes like a big theme of the movie is like the uh you know catholicism is is bad look at these people that are you know, ruled by their religion that that had tended to happen a lot in the OOs in the in the tens, uh, where they would have a character like that and became part of the film's um, I don't know topic of discussion. And that that happens in Silent Night for and for particularly no reason too. It's it's it kind of comes out of nowhere that whole sequence with the with the um, oh, I, you know, I don't know what to call him priest. 
We see he's a he's technically like a reverend. My my point is is just you know like pick one because most Protestant uh most Protestant preachers can marry and have sex. Yeah, I didn't that's love that sequence because yeah, that's what makes them different from Catholic priest and shit. But I mean, I just I just felt like it was unnecessary for the film. It didn't need that secondary part about that whole fire and brimstone speech from the. Oh, you didn't like that one, Jerry Falwell. That's what makes it even funnier too, is like him giving like an evangelical speech. Like, it's like, they're just trying to cram all like Christianity into that, you know, as he's like sitting there, hell fire and brimstone. As he's preaching to an old woman and fucking Santa. So what did you think? Of the Santa backstory that we get. Fucking stupid. Well, let me put put it to you this way. Who do you think was going to be the killer? To be honest with you, by that point, I really didn't care. I did not care at all. Like, who it was. Well, again, true. But who did you... Who are you putting betting money on? I had two. I had two people that I had betting money on. I don't. I don't even know. Like I didn't even think. I. I, I would say I didn't even think about it. To be honest with you, I, I knew it was not going to be their suspect because that just was too easy. Yeah, yeah it was too easy. Having it, it be either Coke Coke dealer Santa or Donald Logue uh, Santa. Coke dealer Santa. Easy. I mean, that's what he was. He was. That's why they call him Mister Snow. But yeah, you're right. I, both of those were too obvious. It really couldn't have been uh, Rob Reiner stand-in because we see, saw his face. I see. I I didn't think it was. It was yeah. I didn't think it was going to be Rob Reiner Santa, but I thought they might have Houdini'd it some way because they constantly showed him to be like looking slimmer. So I even I did have him because it was either I thought it was either going to be Rob Reiner Santa or Jamie King's husband. Okay, you thought Jamie King's husband was like not dead and gonna come back and well, because they might do something stupid like that because we well, don't know why he I, died I, or the I, circumstances of his apparent death. I so, will say that like it would make more sense than what we get because they bring that up as like some sort of talking point for her, and then they never bring it up. They just want her to be the you know the the widowed sheriff deputy deputy. And that's it. That's all they want. That's so they they really wanted to have a character element that didn't have they didn't need to do any work with whatsoever. So it does feel like it's just kind of thrown in there. It's like they, they don't needed know. something. We don't know how he died. We don't know what the circumstances are. It's just that she's sad and forlorn. Maybe he went off the rails last Christmas, and that's why she's like, I can't work Christmas. Yeah, right. Exactly. She basically, and she gives the, she just says she can't work on Christmas because it's the first Christmas without him. And it just, you know, it's, it definitely feels shoehorned in, but I will say too, that the entire story that Coke Santa gives us about, uh, you know, that murderous rampage on Christmas Eve, Vietnam Santa. Yeah. Those things, those are also shoehorned in where it's, again, a giant exposition drop of like, here, have you heard this story about a crazy Santa? Uh, no, but you know, it's that, that... stupid, though. 
Oh, like what a terrible idea. A ter- what a terrible premise. Would you like, have rather it just they, been like uh, the uh, original film where it was just, you know, he had a traumatic experience on Christmas yeah. and, and yeah. And that trick, you know, trick triggers PD, PTSD here. They got to add, Oh, you know, the husband f- found out that his wife was cheating on him or whatever the fuck. And he decided to build a fucking flamethrower and go Guadalcanal on <laughs> the, just, the, the building is so funny too. Cause he's like out in the garage. Like, like you know like and what a constructed flamethrower too like <laughs> the army wasn't calling up like hey but you know that's you know <laughs> you are a perfect per- perfect mechanical engineer thank you for designing a workable flamethrower out of parts in your garage like you know it's just so fucking stupid and so like sin city-esque too like just shitty awful black and white montage yeah, the only thing you get in color is the American flag. It's and literally this. a terrible Frank Miller fever dream right there. Yeah, that is true. It's like, it's like drunk Uncle Bruce Wayne from fucking Batman, you know, the Dark Knight Returns, just like, except on Christmas. So it's so stupid. Such a just like, bad, awful written idea. And then it ends up being the one that the film goes with. Which is, like I said, like it, this film would have been a billion times better if it was Jamie King's husband. That way, at least, is attached to her as a character. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, I, I, just, I just thought that that first of all, that story kind of came out of nowhere because it didn't really, you know, it wasn't really relevant at the time. And so it just, I don't know. It just felt like it was just pushed into this, this plot. And then it ends up becoming the actual reason and the motive behind these murders. And it just, you see young Rob Reiner, you know, take out his father. Yeah. It just, it, to me, it was a really poorly done twist that I was, you know what my third money was on? It'd be like uh psychosis ridden Tommy or whatever the fuck his name is from the first film. What do you mean you like that's how they would connect it to the original films. You'd have. Oh, the... OK. Yeah. You would have yeah. that. They didn't end up going with that, but. Instead, they, I mean, they, they wanted some, I guess they wanted something different, but I feel like it, they should have just stuck with the main idea of uh, si- the original Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's fine. You know, it obviously was not breaking any boundaries at the time either, but it was a fine enough motive because you don't really need a motive for a psychotic killer. What you want is a better plot surrounding it. Well, here they try adding all that fucking character development and it's just it's just not there <laughs> no I, I agree and I feel like that's another part of why the film is so is so boring too is because a lot of the the kills are really like it's it's all fodder it's just stuff he that does, happens he does kill off like almost everyone he meets 
Yeah, it's just, and it, but it just like, feels so, so disconnected from a plot. Like how he didn't kill Ellen Wong off is beyond me because she's the gossiper. What did you think of that scene where he chases down the uh, the model through a you know a tree lot where the film is clearly not being shot in the winter in this midwestern town? It was there. It felt overly long for the rest of the film because that scene was just so it was like almost like they were wanted to get their allotment. They had a contract of tits. The tits need to be on screen for 12 minutes. Courtney Palm was like, all right, this is what you got. Have at it. Yeah, they need to be they need to be on screen for this long. And they needed to get their. You know their quota, and that's that's how I felt like that scene was because it just goes on how for so for, long. How fortuitous for her too that she just happens to fall on a fucking bunch of garbage bags like she's fucking Altair from Assassin's Creed. And uh, then that's... you know, and then he's running through the town in broad daylight with a fucking axe, and no one's taking notice. Like, oh, axe! You know, there goes a there goes a Santa who has an axe. Yeah, it's, I don't know, all of it is very, very, very suspect in my eyes. And that's the ultimate reason why I just had a really hard time getting into Silent Night. Hell, uh, actually, that whole bit, too, in the whole hotel um, reminds me of my bloody Valentine remake with the whole hotel bit there. Right, with the, uh, the at the beginning of the film? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you, they just couldn't help themselves. It's the wrong remake. What else didn't we talk about about this movie? What do you think? What do you think of the Santa design? Obviously, they go in a different direction for this one. The mask is stupid. They tried to give it a nice soulless look to it. You can barely see the eyes at some points. It's just stupid. And the whole idea that this small town, ta- oh, you know, small town, like 10,000 people have like 500 people dressing up as Santa. It's f- just fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives the, the whole, miser- whole miserable Santa doing the bad Santa gimmick. Just, hey, you know what you're going to get for Christmas, little kid? You ain't getting shit. It's pointless. Like, what, like, what the fuck's the point of that? And she should have closed him down, too. He's being a miserable shit. Like, all right, your permit's revoked. Bye. Go. No, Donald Logue's like, no, I can do this. Did he actually have a permit, or was it just a scribble on a page? I don't know, but he said he had a permit, so. Yeah. Take his word for it. Um, How about the... um? What, What did you overall think of Malcolm McDowell's performance? I mean, I, he's definitely chewing scenery, but I liked seeing. I I thought he was the most interesting part of Silent Night. I, otherwise, I was like checking out most of the time. You, but when you Malcolm liked, McDowell's on, being a miserable bastard and just absolutely because I think he's it, having it, a little it, bit of fun with that and hating women, just being like, oh, don't fuck it up. You're fucking everything up. Stop fucking things up. Yeah, I thought he was having a little bit of fun with that. I I even liked. 
you know, later on when uh, the guy was basically like wishing him a Merry Christmas and he said, what do you think this is, like a karaoke bar or something like that? I think he's having fun with it. I think even though he knows like the, the script isn't great. He's still having fun with it. Do you think it. he's adding the dams and fucks after every word, or do you think, like, you know, that was in the script? Hmm, I don't really know. Maybe. Maybe he's ad-libbing. I mean, I hope so. Stop, what's to stop him from ad-libbing? He's fucking Caligula. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. What's to, what's to stop him? Because... A film we must do one day on this podcast. <laughs> who's going to say to Malcolm McDowell, hey, can you not ad-lib? They're basically just happy that he's there. Thanks, thanks for showing up. So, what did you think of the callbacks to Silent Night, Deadly Night? There's a, a few. <laughs> There's, it's few and f- far between, and the only one I can think of off the top of my head is like, oh, go take out the garbage. <laughs> what is this garbage day? Yep, there's that one. There's the one that um, where he's pu- pushing her onto the uh, like the horns, the um, deer yeah. horns. Him saying uh, when Donald Lokes like slaps it, like fights him, like not nice, you know? Yeah, no. Nah, like, nah. That's one of the that's one of the things about this film that's very disappointing: the fact that they didn't utilize like there's not like there's no fan service. It's like so few and far between. It's like such a missed opportunity. Do you like wish said, it was more. Yes, because like like I said, what makes the original film so memorable is not just the premise, but the fact that it's campy as fuck and having fun with the idea. Here, it's ta- it's taking itself super serial. So there's like the apparent moments of dark humor, or even dark humor, is just like poor, you know, screenwriting. Yeah, I, I like think they could have had like the toy sore in the background or some shit. They could have like the fact they didn't fucking throw in warm side of the door at any point. Oh, that's that's what really that's, got you. Yeah, I mean, that that's a sin. That's a terrible sin. At least, you know, I liked what they threw in there as a reference, but I do think they they, they could have done a little bit more. To, because for for one thing, the film just doesn't really follow the original at all. So if you really didn't know much about Silent Night, Deadly Night. There's no orphanage. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just wouldn't, I guess, even know that this was a remake if you, if you hadn't really seen much of that uh, original. Because there's not much to, besides the whole Killer Santa element. The rest is all different. It's barely a remake at all. And 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 it's not like Silent Night, Deadly Night was the only film to do a Killer Santa. There were many films about Killer Santas, even in the eighties. Um, so it's it's not like they had that market cornered or anything like that. You know, this could have been. Its own, and I guess that may be one reason why they decided to just call it Silent Night to, I don't know, eschew any uh, a, a specific relation to that other movie. Then why make it? Yeah, I agree. Overall, it was a tiring experience for me. 
What did you think of the overall kills? Um, I would say, you know, despite the fact that they are somewhat bloody and uh, obviously set pieces uh, saw-like in their torture porn elements, uh, I still feel like they're pretty boring, uh, especially uh, thinking about the one where they um, they kill that uh, fake the fake killer Santa and shoot him in the head, uh, Coke Santa. Uh, that that whole head spurting blood was ridiculously over the top. How'd you like the scythe to, to the balls of the pornographer? I just don't think that, any, I, and and part of it's the budget, but I didn't think that any of them were were overly, um, you know, spectacular. They do, cut, they do cut for a lot of them. Like the one big money shot is when you get to see the axe pound into Donald Logue's head, and it's you know blow splatters up. everywhere. Yeah, but again, but again, that that's all. Like it's all the CGI effect, and it just looks pretty trashy. Um. Yeah, there was. I, th- I think that most of them were, you know, they were okay, not super well done, not super um, uh, memorable for for whatever reason. Uh, there's that one where they kill the boyfriend, and he basically just gets an axe to the back and and stuff like that. Not a lot of those things are are memorable, and I think part of the other problem is um some of the scenes where those are being uh, done, the camera work is intentionally like shaky. You know, to try to create some sort of like suspense or tension, um, and I feel like that is a a 2010s thing, or even a, a little bit earlier into 2000s of um, having like intentional shaky cam, and that also sticks out as a poor decision on their part to have, you know, that that sort of thing in this movie because it just again. It brings the the viewer out of the realism of the the, the film for whatever reason. Um, I know that its intention is to make it seem more realistic, like the cameras like running around, shooting every shot, and you know trying to get it the best they can in a, in a shaky way. But I, I don't like that at all. Um, one thing that I can say that I did like is the red and green lighting towards the end of the film when they're in the uh sheriff's office. Eh. I mean, I thought it was overdone and hammy, but I also can't say that I didn't like it. Uh, you know, throwing obviously some some nods to Inferno Saw. and Suspiria and Saw. Uh, well, and Saw, but more so to those because the Saw films had, you know, like sort of like uh a green tint. Yeah, it was a green tint, but it wasn't, you know, obviously intentionally green lighting. Whereas in this case, it was red and green specifically for, you know, Christmas. So that stood out to me as, a, you know, a, a fairly good decision on their part to just like kind of go all in on the Christmas spirit there. I think you're giving it too much credit to compare it to Suspiria and Inferno. No, I definitely am. I'm not saying that the <laughs> lighting was as um was as uh, artistic as Inferno. Dario Argento flew on set for like four days. I guess very good, very good. Yes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it was that to that level, but it was certainly a nice little change up from the film's rather, you know drab palette from the rest of the film. 
Again, it looks it looks totally like my bloody Valentine. You're right. You're right. It's it's inescapable. Most of these films had the same type of lighting and cinematography, and they all kind of, you know, if you put one scene in of this movie into My Bloody Valentine, you probably wouldn't really be able to tell the difference. It's interchangeable. Yep. All right, so we've got to rate Silent Night, and on a scale of one garage craft, or from one to ten garage crafted flamethrowers, what would you give Silent Night? I'll give it a five. It's a competently made film. It's definitely, it doesn't look bad. It's not shot poorly. Uh, the kills are boring for the most part, but they're not poorly done. The effects for the most part are pretty good, except for the CGI. The cast is pretty good. You know, I think Jamie King, she does all right. Malcolm McDowell is just chewing scenery the entire time. Delightful. Um, Ellen Wong is, I would say Ellen Wong's probably one of the, probably the best here. She's actually really good and understated, even though she doesn't have that big a role, but it's the premise overall just doesn't hold the, the idea that they had to remake this film and then strip it down, make it gritty and realistic and take it this new route of a fucking flame throwing Vietnam Santa is just. It's fucking idiotic. It's stupid. It's poorly executed. The whole just concept behind the first film is ridiculous, stupid, but it's got its tongue in its cheek, which makes it endearing and charming. There's no charm to be found here. It's just a very pedantic and, as I said, banal film. Honestly, if it wasn't like a well-constructed film like at least it's paced out kind of decently and it is shot well if it wasn't for that this would be like a a really like all-time bad film but because it's competently made that's what's kind of boosting it up because it's not offensive to watch it's only offensive to watch because it's so goddamn boring and so goddamn stupid and misses the point of the original entirely and the fact that they didn't use warm side of the door, warm side of the door at all in this film is a fucking travesty. You couldn't have them at a fucking like Sears or in rollback and just have that playing in the background or something or have it at the end credits. Come on. No, they had to have a fucking new metal song at the end. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, I would give it probably a 4.5. I found it to be an extremely boring film. Very difficult to get through. Oh, one of these uh, slasher remakes where you've got you know a small town sheriff got to got to solve the mystery. There's a a twist that's not really a twist. Um, you know, there's no real mystery to this this uh, murder or who the killer is because you just don't care. It doesn't really matter who it is. And the film tries to give you some sort of um, of uh, context as to why he's murdering, but it doesn't. It just doesn't really matter. I would I, like I would like them to go more of the either the the original route where it was just like this guy's kind of gone off the rails and he's almost a protagonist in the sense that you're you uh, you're initially rooting for him to not be crazy and um then it kind of goes downhill from there or go the Halloween route where it's like it doesn't really matter who's behind the mask at all and there's no mystery to 
who you're expecting to uncover there. It's more about what gets you to the end of the film and, and the final girl. Um, Listen, um, I hate to cut you off, but they would never be so clever to like, oh, it doesn't matter who the Santa killer is. No, they got to cram that in. No, I agree. I'm I'm just saying I wish that that would have been more the case for this movie because I think it would have at least added some some degree of of mystery to it. And in this case, with the film ending and giving you exactly the the context you need to understand – where the killer is coming from and it makes it cheesier because like you said, this PTSD flashback is so ridiculous in its scope that, you know, now it, it just, it doesn't work for the movie at all. It, it just seems so ridiculous. Yeah. It's a terrible guy. It's just a I terrible think idea. Anywhere, but where they went would have been better. Like I said, it would like to, I think the best idea to for the killer would have been to be Jamie King's husband. Because, again, they don't expound upon that at all. So, like, the whole fact that it's even tacked in there kind of makes me think that that was an idea they had pitched around, but, like, no, that'd be too stupid. Because there's no reason, otherwise, there's no reason to even have that be a part of the plot. Exactly. She was married. Just doesn't matter. Because it doesn't develop her character. It doesn't add anything to her as a character. It's just a like a bullet point. Like, oh, she was married, but her husband's dead. Why? We don't know. But apparently it's still, it was a traumatic enough death yeah, to where yeah. she's, you know, still yeah, reeling just from in it. In total, doesn't doesn't do much. And um, they could have gone anywhere else. And I think it would have been better. But It's just a, and also it just a true. misuse of Malcolm McDowell. Like, you're going to have a better idea for him, for God's sakes. Except be like, play Loomis, but be a bigger bastard. Play Loomis like you're going to play him in Halloween 2. You know, like, I like money, you know, because that's basically what he's like in this. It's kind of like the sh- small yep. town sheriff. But Speaking of some of the two, also, some of the people who get killed in here, they get killed because they're naughty. Some of the people who get killed, though, for being naughty, what did they do? What did the mayor do besides smoke cigarettes? He allows, that he allows his daughter to be a tramp. That's what. That he lied to himself. Like, like, you know, some of the people that he kills, like, does Malcolm McDowell get killed because he's just a shitty sheriff and an asshole? I... How about some of the deputies that get killed? Like, like what is, like... What do they do that was so naughty? Like, why did that guy taking the trash out deserve to get a pickaxe or axe or whatever through the fucking I... eye? What did he do? What did What did Ellen Wong do besides spread gossip? Yeah. Is that why she saved at the end? She's like the one that doesn't die. I don't know. I don't. I think we're thinking a little too much about this this movie. I know. Well, you ha- kind of have true. to because obviously the creators didn't. All right. These are these are the impertinent questions Absolutely. that you know the public must have answered. This is what fucking so comic that about does for. it for Silent Night, and we have finished our Silent Night Deadly Night series run. 
which means guess what, guys? <laughs> we're on, no we're new done. episode next week. Podcast is finally over. <laughs> we're riding uh, off into that sunset. Our job is we've done the thing. We've done Robocop, it. the remake. We've done all the Silent Nights. We're done. We can leave this mortal coil mm. forever now. That's not true. We're going to be back next week, and we're doing the Black Christmas remake, not Black Xmas. Michelle Trachtenberg. No, not that one. We, Which one? We do need to do that one at some point. No, we're doing Black Christmas from 2019, the one that we missed last year. We were unable to do 2019 wait, 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 Black wait, wait, Christmas. Wait, we're doing that one? No, we're doing. I thought we were doing the other one. Yes, I, we're I doing asked the one that we missed, 2019 version. No, no, not that one. That's right. Oh, so the Blumhouse. Blumkin. That's right. We are covering that one. We wanted to we wanted to do this Thanks one last year. We weren't able to because we did not um we did not have it in our area. And so we missed it. I not even playing in all of you don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I, I, I we like we were kind of busy, and my kids were just born, so uh, there's a lot going on at the time. But um, and you know what? I love it. You probably looked. You probably looked at him and said, "Way to go, you little shits! I missed." I missed think we're in jo- for a John treat Saxon because, you know film what? I always wanted to see a Saw alum is in this film. Guess who it is? No. Costas Mandalore. <laughs> I don't. I don't What's know. What's he up to? No. Donnie no. Wahlberg. No. Mark Wahlberg. No. Danny Glover. No. James Wan. Tobin Bell. <laughs> no. Toby Co- Hooper. It is Carrie Owens. <laughs> I don't know who. <laughs> Throwing it right back to the first one. Carrie oh! Owens in this. Will he have his normal accent or will he adopt, you know, a normal, uh, an American accent? What do you think? That's the best part of him and Saw is him flipping code switching between that's right American and his you know English so that's accent. that's something to look out for the other you know the other person that's in this that I love I love the I love the name I love to say it Imogen Poots Imogen Poots who <laughs> she's an actress but who I the just love the Imogen last name Poots. Poots Poots McGee I'm gonna call her that on uh, on the show Oots, Mickey. All right. So, yes, we're doing Black Christmas from 2019 next week. Sure to be a. No, he's not. Is John Saxon? I don't know. That's a good question. Why wouldn't Blumhouse Why swing for that? You know. Why? Yeah. By, by the way, too, we also, because John Saxon passed this year, we That's still haven't more. done like a John Saxon tribute. Which is, you know, you'll never. Never live it down if you never do a John Saxon tribute. All right. So we're doing Black Christmas 2019 next time. Uh, Definitely check it out. Sure to be a controversial take, I'm sure. Uh, We are on pretty much 
Not well. How, how, how was it received? <sighs> Is it because Margot Kidder's not mm, in? I don't think that really came into. I don't think that really. Uh... Well, Margot sure. Kidder is what holds Black Christmas up. It's, you know, she she was Lois Lane for God's sakes. But we are we are on any podcasting app that you can think of. Subscribe and leave us a nice review. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. We have an email at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com where you can write to us. Let us know what you want us to cover on the show. And as always, you can donate to us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast helps us keep the podcast going. So whatever you can spare would be very much appreciated. Thank you for listening. We hope to hear, uh, hope to see you back for our next episodes in the Festivus series, which is. It's going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Well, I didn't know you. That was you. Usually, you say the, something. You know, sign. Sign. Yeah. Take care. <laughs>